0: We remain standing in honor of the gospel reading, which comes to us this morning from the book of Luke. Hear now these words. Then Jesus began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said to one another, Is this not Joseph's son? Jesus said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that you have done at Capernaum. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Now when they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up and drove Jesus out of the town and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off of the cliff. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't mean to alarm anyone, but last night was the first time someone has tried to break into my apartment while I have been in it. If I was 23, I would have gone out and confronted the person involved, but I'm not. Um, and I know it's not good maybe to joke about such things, but I don't really want to go like that. You know, area man dies with butter knife in hand. (laughs) But I am tired. I didn't sleep 3 to 4.30, and so if I pass out, I've got choir members ready to read the rest of my sermon. (laughs) And with that, here we go. It seems to me... I think, that we always arrive to the text in the middle of the story with Jesus. In Luke this morning, a lot has happened and a lot is still happening. We find Jesus teaching as he always is. And this time we read that all are amazed and speaking well of him. But almost immediately, Jesus distances himself from his listeners He others himself from them, and eventually they prepare to throw him from a cliff. And it really says that. If you read the text, they were ready to throw him off of a cliff. A grief-stricken widow, a woman whose child had died at Sidon, Naaman the Syrian, a military commander foreign to the faith and identity of the Jewish people, these are the figures whose invocation by Jesus earned him neither the first nor the last attempt on his life. In our text last week, in Luke, Jesus proclaimed good news for the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. I'm afraid Jesus was not a moderate. Today, when someone demands justice for the poor, which can only come at great cost to the powerful, it is still a radical message. And it was a radical message then. Jesus demanded freedom and liberation. And the people were at first responding to him well and amazed. But the gracious words, as Luke describes them, ended with an invocation of Leviticus' radical call for a redistribution of wealth. So what was it, precisely, that pushed those hearing Jesus over the edge? I think that what Jesus was saying was that the work of God will include those whom society others out of equal standing. The story of Jesus is the story of God, and the story of God Jesus teaches us takes place within the lives and the experiences of those the majority do not include. I think the people listening to Jesus took him to mean that preferential treatment of those on the margins, meant that they, the listeners themselves, had no place in the story of God. But I think that they were missing the point. They were outraged when they realized Jesus really did mean, as he said, the poor, the captive, the blind, and the oppressed. When I read these words and I read their reaction, I confess to you I hear the same thing that I always hear, I have a particular interpretation that I bring to the text, as we all do, and I can't escape it, and so I hear liberation, God's preference for the poor, new possibilities and troubling promises of what it will take to reach new life on the other side. I was told by a Bible study here at Highland that my sermons are hardcore, which is kind of cool and also deeply worrisome. But those of you who have heard me preach before know that it's easy for me to trace a sermon in this way, animate a systemic injustice in our country, locate ourselves in it, and articulate Jesus' call for a new life. In doing so, demand action of myself and implicitly, therefore, of you. We've seen the movie before. But when I think about this church... I do not think about a church that needs a moral lecture on what it needs to do because it's not doing enough. Just as we have come into the middle of the story today, we are in the middle of our own story here at Highland. When I think about this church, I think about social workers, about teachers at every level. I think about parents and grandparents, diverse and supportive families. I think about medical workers of all kinds. I think about people who depend on their paychecks. And I think about people who generously give such that Highland does have a future. I think about Highland's children who dream. I think about our youth who are miracles. I think about elder church members with passion and with wisdom. I think about millennials who began adult life with 9-11 and with a recession and who still persist in demanding a more just society. Do I think that Highland has a lot to work on? Yes, I do. Do I think that we are perfect? Not by a long shot. But today, this morning, our congregation is meeting with a consultant to determine our future. And we are going to decide together as a Baptist church that is locally autonomous and almost as democratic as you will find, we're going to figure out together how we will live out the story of Jesus into a new future. So what we need today is not a moralizing lecture, although I do give them to myself every morning at 6.30 and every night at 7, if you need a few this week. What we need today is what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. believed was a wellspring of infinite hope. Infinite hope. As Dr. King labored for justice, he grew to believe that a new coalition of people could form, a coalition between liberated, oppressed people and oppressors who had repented and been saved. He believed that such a coalition was possible and that it would shape a new world. But Dr. King knew that the road there was long and treacherous. He struggled himself between courage and despair, caught in the middle between faith in what was possible and his experience of what was actually happening. Dr. King believed in a wellspring of infinite hope upon which he drew through his most difficult days. A wellspring of infinite hope he believed God provides for you and for me. Today, this first Sunday in Black History Month, is also the 40 something Sunday since we found ourselves less two 20-year pastors with transformative impact here This is the second month of the calendar year which is just beginning, which will be long and who knows what it will bring. It is the sixth month of an academic year that is long and difficult and beautiful for our children and youth and the families that support them. On this day in particular, we need infinite hope. Highland finds itself, we find ourselves caught in a hard place, in the middle between what our faith says is possible, which is all things, and our experience of what has been happening. A year of transition and difficulty for our church. Hardship and struggle in our own lives. And if you think to yourself today, you know what, I'm not struggling. That's okay, and it's good. But you must remember that you know people in this church who are. More than 40% of Americans are one missed paycheck away from financial hardship and poverty. Desperate grief and debilitating illness locate themselves in our lives no matter how much we might wish to avoid them. Discrimination against the LGBTQ community and racism and fear of immigrants hurt people who are members of this family here at Highland. Anxiety and depression close in, and much more than that. It is precisely in the face of all these things and many more that we cling to an infinite hope which gives us the strength to love ourselves and to love one another through all of it. An infinite hope through which God gives us the courage to let ourselves be loved by other people. An infinite hope which nothing can take from us because it is not our own, but it is within each of us. When we live out our lives in such a way that we believe that faith can transform the world, we find that same hope in other people. My first year out of graduate school, many of you knew me. I was here at Highland. That year, I made less than $14,000. I lived with my parents for a time. I ate a simple and depressing diet. I did not have the money to make choices. I saved nothing. I despaired of my life and the choices I had made. And I struggled. And it was hard. But here at Highland, I found a wellspring of infinite hope. I found it first in our youth. But then I found it in the rest of you. And as it turns out, it carried me through far worse than that first year after graduate school. So it might sound strange, if you know me well, for me to stand here and speak about hope. But I can talk about infinite hope from this pulpit because I've found it here, in the pews. And I can tell you this isn't some abstract, inaccessible truth hidden away in some complicated theological formation. This hope is here, in the people of Highland, in you, the people in whom God is working today and every day. Now, I must be transparent. I know from experience this hope doesn't always sustain us in the ways that we would like. Sometimes it is quiet. Sometimes it is silent. And in those moments, it is easy for me to be deeply angry and frustrated with God and with the church. But what I've found is this. If I continue to give myself to this community... And if I am steadfast in my actions, even and especially when I struggle to believe, this wellspring of infinite hope is still and always here. So the gospel today, the good news, is that the story of God continues onward. Highland's story is continuing onward. The story is unfolding. And as it unfolds, Jesus teaches us that it will unfold especially among, but not only among, those society still refuses to dignify. So as the story of God unfolds in each of us, we have in our hands an infinite hope within ourselves and in one another, an infinite hope that will carry us through making a way when there is no way into the wholeness and into the health and into the goodness that is promised already to each of us. Amen.